quickly followed by losing weight and going on a diet. You can see people are just thinking, Christmas has been, we've gorged ourselves on turkey and chocolates and now it's time to get back, on, back in shape. Number four on the list, spend more wisely or get control of your finances. That's a good one. Number five, improve your mental health. Spend more time with family, make time for hobbies, travel more. That'd be nice. We can dream of sunny holidays in this close, cl uh, cold weather. And then the last two, give up smoking and drink less alcohol. So there's some good ideas for resolutions for the new year, if, if that's kind of your thing. But resolutions or not, there is something about the new year. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the new year that makes us kind of think, okay, we can maybe hit the reset button. We can maybe start again. We can maybe draw a line under what was in the previous year and look forward to what could be in this new year ahead, a new start, a new me, maybe. And so for the next two weeks, I'm going to look at a kind of topic that, that looks at uh, the best. And so I believe this could be our best year Yet, I believe that we can put our first step forward and this can be the best year that we have ever lived. And so this morning, I'm going to look at the idea of being the best. And next week, as we launch 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm going to look at the idea of giving the best. And so this morning, we're just, we're just going to look into this idea of being the best. Let me just uh, pray before we get into it. Yeah, so Father God, we just thank you for everything that happened in 2023. We thank you for an incredible year. Even though there may have been challenges, we may have faced health issues, we may have lost loved ones, there may have been all kinds of stuff, but we thank you that through it all, you were faithful, you were with us, you were for us. And so we just thank you for what was, but now we look forward to what could be. And so I pray that we start this year with just an expectation of the good things that you are going to do in our lives as we put you first in everything, as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in everything that we do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at this idea of being the best and maybe the competitive ones in the room are starting to get their juices flowing. Yes, I could be the best in the room. I could be the best at X, Y and Z, but that's not quite where we're going. That's not quite what we're looking at. We're looking at this idea of being the best version of you, the best you that you could be. Be the best. That was an army slogan at one point, wasn't it? Be the best. So that's what we're going to be looking at. The theologian Martin Luther said, we are not yet what we shall be. We are not yet what we shall be. What he's saying is that who you are right now is not who you can be. You can be so much more. You can trust God more. You can live for him more. You can love him more. You can and will be better with him. You know, we live in a society that that kind of has this, this idea that if something isn't living up to the performance that we expect, if something is maybe a little bit damaged or a little bit broken, we just cast it away and get a new one. We just live in this disposable era. Maybe your phone battery life is no longer performing how it used to. And so instead of looking into what you can do for that, you think, I'll just get a new phone, as expensive as that may be. Or maybe it's an item of clothing that has maybe got a little tear in it or a bit of stain. And we just think, I'm just going to get a new one. 
And we just live in this society, this disposable society. And can you imagine what life would be like if God was like that with us? If God was like that with us. But he's not. He knows our potential. He knows the man and the woman that we could be if we lived in step with him. But because we don't always live like that, it means that we're not performing to our best. Just like the phone with with increasingly poor battery life, we're not living at our potential. And so what if God were to look at us and to and to think, well, never mind. You know, they they've they've lived their course, they've they've done a bit, they've tried a bit, but you know, they're not quite living up to standard anymore. They're a little bit broken, a little bit damaged, a little bit tired, a little bit worn out. So I'll just sack them off and find someone new. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Imagine if God lived like that. But thank goodness he doesn't. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't cast us aside or think that we're worthless. He looks at each and every one of you and he sees your worth. He looks at you and he sees your value. He sees your potential. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't think that we're worthless. And he looks at us and he is ready to renew us. He's ready to renew us. The word renew, the definition is this. It's the state of being made new, fresh or strong again. To be renewed, to be made like new. And so there's an acknowledgement with this word That the thing in question, or in this case the person, me and you, at one time we have become old, we have become tired, we have got a little bit damaged, a little bit broken, and so we're no longer living and performing at our best. And so we need renewal. We need to uh, to be renewed. And so when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we make that initial decision and we invite him into our lives and we say, okay, God, I want to put you in the driver's seat. I want to put you first. When we make that first decision, there is this instantaneous renewal of our lives. The old man, the old woman is cast aside and we are made like new in that moment. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And it's at this moment, this moment of instantaneous renewal, where we then move into a journey of ongoing renewal. We move into a journey of ongoing renewal, of self-betterment, of becoming more and more like Christ each day. In Peter's second letter, he acknowledges the incredible work of God. He says, by his divine power, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for a godly life. You've got it all. In that very first moment, he imparts into you everything you could possibly need to live a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. But it's not enough to just sit in that renewed state. It's not enough to just sit in that new creation and to kind of coast by by the initial work that God has done in our lives. Peter goes on, he says, 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter recognizes the incredible and awesome work that God has done in us. We have been renewed. When we accept God, we are renewed in that moment, completely transformed. The old is gone. The new has come. We have been made new. He says we've been given everything that we need to live our godly life. In that moment, the renewal has taken place. We are made like new. We no longer need to be drawn into the sin and the temptations of this world. Instead, he says, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort. That word there, effort, implies it's going to take a bit of work. It's not going to come easy. We're going to have to do something about it. Make every effort to add to your faith. It's really interesting because we've been, we've been renewed. We've been made like new. It says we've been given everything that we could possibly need. And yet he goes on, add to your faith. So that means we can't just accept our initial renewed state. We're going to have to do something continually. We're going to have to keep on working at improving our lives. At bringing ourselves back to that renewed state. Because in that moment of of salvation, in that moment of accepting Jesus, yes, we're made right. But because of our sinful nature, we continually leak. I think I used that that, um, analogy last year. We kind of leak air out of us. We leak our faith. We leak our trust. We leak our love for God. And so Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith. And like any New Year's resolution or desire to better yourself, following through with this suggestion Peter's making is going to take discipline. It's going to take determination. It's going to take hard work on our part. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. Eight areas in our lives that we could all use a bit of work. Eight things that we can decide this year at the beginning of 2024 that we are going to invest in. That we are going to to strive to achieve, to strive to better ourselves, to improve ourselves. So maybe just look at these for a moment and just, just ask yourself, maybe examine your heart. Which of these eight areas do you need to begin with? Which of these resonates with you the most? You know, there's a lot going on on these things. There's a lot to think about. And the truth is that if you were to just go gung-ho and say, yeah, I need a bit more of each and every one of those in my life, And you're just going to go, okay, I'm just going to work on all of these areas. I have no doubt that you will fail, 
that you will mess up, that you will stumble and you will struggle and you will get disillusioned and you'll just give up on the whole thing. And so don't try and work on all eight areas at one time. Just pick one. Just pick one and commit maybe for the next month to work on that one area. You know, maybe for you it's perseverance. And uh, here's the fun thing. If you pray for perseverance... If you say to God, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some effort to work on perseverance in my life. What he won't do is impart to you in that moment perseverance in all of its fullness, in all of its glory. What he will do in his incredible nature is bless you with challenges and with difficulties and with obstacles through which you need to persevere. Maybe for you it's love. Maybe you're thinking, I need to work on love in my life. And so God will not just pour out an abundance of love into your life and say, there you go. You are all loving. No, what he will do probably is bring along people into your lives who are quite difficult to love. And he'll say, okay, let's work on this area together. Acknowledge that you're struggling. Acknowledge it's a challenge. And let's work on this area together. And so whatever it may be, if you want to be the very best version that you can be in 2024, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. There's going to be some challenges and some struggles and some difficulties. But I promise you this, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. And so this word renewal, being made new. You know, when I was thinking about this idea, when I was thinking about this theme, to be renewed, to be made like new, it conjured up this picture for me of creation, of that initial moment where God brought together some dust from the ground and he breathed his life into it and man was formed. We were created in God's image. We were created in the likeness of God. And in that very moment, when he breathed his life into us, we were perfect. We were perfect. We were brand new in that moment. That was the way he intended us to be. And so when I think about this word renewed, or to be renewed, or renewal, whatever it may be. When I think about that, I think about how can we get back to that very first, original, created state of being. That, that state of perfection. That state of actually being in God's image. Before sin entered the world. Before we thought that we knew better than God. Before we went chasing after more power, more authority, more wisdom. Because that's what happened in the garden when the enemy came up to Eve in the form of a serpent and, and spoke to her. He wasn't speaking truth. He was bringing doubt. And he was suggesting that actually she was lacking in some area. 
That actually she needed more wisdom and she needed more authority and she needed more power. And so she thought, yeah, okay, I'll go after those things. But when God breathed life into that dust and created man, he'd created us in his image with everything that we could possibly need. And so when Peter writes his letter and he says that we have everything that we need to live a godly life, that is true. That is what it looks like to be renewed. That is what it looks like to find salvation in God. We have everything we could possibly need. But then we need to continue to work on ourselves, continue to bring ourselves back when we fall away, continue to make ourselves like new when we have become old and tired and worn out and broken. That we need to make every effort, he says, to add to our faith all of these things. Make every effort to get back to that original created state. So we're just going to look quickly at this idea of renewal, of renewal of the mind, renewal of the heart, and renewal of purpose. So renewal of the mind, it says in Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the National Science Foundation, that, uh, you know, very well-known organization, for those of you who are in the know when it comes to science, they, they, uh, they presented and published some research results that suggested the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts every day. I mean, how they uh, came to that number, I have no idea. Though I did read it. There was some maths around it, and it was uh, kind of mind-boggling a little bit. But they suggested that each and every one of us has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts every day. And 80% of those thoughts are negative. And the reality is that everything that we say, everything that we do begins in our minds. Everything that happens begins up here. And the thoughts that we have, the many thoughts that we have each and every day are influenced by the world that we live in. It's influenced by the people that we spend time with. It's influenced by what we consume, whether it's the, the news or the radio or books or movies or social media. Whatever it might be that we are consuming influences the things that we think, which then influences what we do. And so it's what we do with those thoughts that matters. Because you may have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day, and 80% of those may well be negative. But it's what you do with those thoughts that really matters. Because it's what we do with them that directly impacts the direction that our life will go. And so in this verse that we just read, Paul is encouraging us, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let what you're consuming influence your actions. 
Don't let what's happening around you directly influence your life. Don't let everything that you hear and everything that you read and everything that you see direct your life. Don't let those negative thoughts impact and direct your life, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Allow your mind to be made like new, to come back to its original created state, created in the image of God, having everything that we need to live a godly life. We don't need to strive for more power, more authority, more of anything. We've got it all already. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. When we connect ourselves to our Heavenly Father, when we fix our eyes on him, when we spend our lives chasing after his will, after his purpose, after his desire, we become one with God. We become like that original created state in his image with everything that we need to live a godly life. And so we need to be joined to him. We need to connect ourselves again to him. We need to walk closely with him. And when we do, I believe that we will have the power to overcome those negative thoughts, to be able to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we stand firm in our relationship with Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him, his power at work in our lives can renew our minds. It can renew our minds. And so we've got renewal of our minds and we've also got renewal of the heart. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In literal terms, the heart is the very center of life. This uniquely created internal organ pumps blood around our bodies and without it, we would not have life. But we're not talking about the physical heart, but the, the way the Bible describes the heart isn't too far from the literal heart. It is the very center of our being. The Bible mentions the heart almost a thousand times. And in essence, what it's saying is the heart is the spiritual part of us where our emotions live, where our desires live. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Well, that doesn't quite make sense in terms of what I've just said. Who really knows how bad it is? But what he's saying, in other words, is that the fall, that moment where Adam and Eve decided that they weren't good enough, that being created in the image of God was not enough and they wanted more, that moment has affected us at our deepest level, in our minds, in our emotions, in our desires. They've all been tainted by sin, which is why the psalmist cries out, create in me a clean heart. Renew our hearts, God. Bring us back to how you intended us in the very beginning. And I honestly believe that this should be our, our cry too. That we should be crying out to God, renew our hearts. Renew our hearts. 
Last year, we looked at the Beatitudes for a little bit. And as part of that, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. The scriptures call us to have a clean heart. They call us to have a pure heart. And the word that Jesus uses here for pure is taken from the Greek word katharos, which means to be clean, to be blameless, to be unstained from guilt. Create in me a clean heart. And interestingly, that word, it can refer specifically to that which is purified by fire. And we know that that John the Baptist, he spoke of the fact that he would baptize with water, but Jesus would come and would baptize not with water, but with fire, with that refiner's fire that would purify, that would make clean, that would make blameless, that would remove all of the stains of guilt and sin from our lives. The prophet Malachi, he spoke of the coming Messiah as being like that refiner's fire. Create in me a clean heart. Purify my heart. Remove all of the blemishes. Remove all of the guilt. Remove all of the shame over and over and over again. Many of you will know that last year Ruth piloted her mental health course aimed at teenagers and the name for her course is Cardia which is a very unusual word and doesn't make sense to many people. But when you grasp hold of what it is, it's so powerful because cardia is the Greek word that Jesus uses for heart in that beatitude. Create, when he says, blessed be the pure in heart, he's using that word cardia, which is so much more than the the physical heart. It refers to the spiritual center of life where thoughts are found, where desires are formed, where sense of purpose and sense of will and of understanding and of character reside. That is all encompassed in this, in this word, cardia. And so to ask God to create in us a pure heart, to ask him to renew our hearts, is asking him to have a complete overhaul of our very nature and our very character to say, God, will you just wipe away anything that is of me? Will you remove anything that is not in line with your will and your purpose? And will you make me brand new once again? Will you bring my life and my desires and my passions and my nature in line with you? So that everything that I am and everything that I say and everything that I think and everything that I do is honoring to you, God. Creating us a pure heart. You know, David's described as a man after God's own heart. And so if we seek God for renewal in our hearts, that's, that's akin to asking God to, to make our hearts like David's. To make our hearts in line with him so that when we see situations that would break God's heart that they break our hearts that when we see people struggling that it breaks our hearts like it does him that we become we become moved by compassion and by love you know it's more than an external purity of behavior it's an internal purity of our very being. It begins right in the center of who we are. So we're talking about seeking God for renewal in our minds. 
where those thoughts begin, where anything that we say and do comes from. So renew our minds, but also renew our hearts, renew the very core of our being. And the only way that we can truly be pure in heart is to give our lives fully to Jesus once again. Handing it all over to him. You take the lead. You take the steering wheel. You be my guide. And asking him to do that cleansing work once again. And so we're seeking renewal of our mind. We're seeking renewal of our heart. And then finally, renewal of purpose. We read already in Romans 12, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the will of God that is referred to in that passage is his purpose for your life and for my life. The passage isn't suggesting that we will learn the will of God, but by transforming our minds, we will begin to prove the will of God through the way in which we live and love. In other words, we can be assured that we will achieve God's will in our lives when we seek renewal of our hearts and of our minds. We'll get the privilege and the joy of being able to play our part in his redemption plan. In giving our lives as an offering to God, and we're going to dig into that a bit more next week under the theme of giving the best, but in giving our lives as an offering to God, laying down our lives as this living sacrifice, his will can be worked out through us when our minds have been renewed when our hearts have been renewed, we'll find that we have renewal of purpose. As we tune ourselves into God, we'll find his will being lived out through us because we're walking in line with him, because we're seeking him first, because he is the priority in our lives. And so our purpose will naturally be renewed and lived out through everything that we think and say and do. We know those words that Jeremiah spoke, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. You were put here for such a time as this. Do you know, I believe that so firmly, that each and every one of us was placed not just at this time, but also in this place and in your family and in your friendship group and in your workplace and all of those things, you were put there for a purpose, for such a time as this. You were created with a unique sense set of skills and of abilities and of passions and character and nature. There's no one in this room like you. You are unique in every way. And you have access and influence to people that no one else does. And so God's purpose for you is to reach those people. Not in the way that I reach people. Not in the way that the person next to you reaches people. But in the way that only you can. With the way that you were created in the image of God. With everything that you could possibly need for a godly life. You were created perfect in order to fulfill his purpose for your life. So look at the things that you'll enjoy. 
Look at the passions that you have. Look at the skills that you have. Look at what's in your hand in this very moment as you begin this new year. And seek God and ask him, okay, how can I use who I am and what I've got to bring your good news to those around me? Because I can't do that. The person next to you can't do that. Only you. Only you can do that. You've got a purpose, and that purpose is to share the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that only you can. And so we began this morning with a list of areas. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. But, but honestly, each of those areas are great things to be working on and to be growing and to be stretching and developing in your lives. But if you are only to work on one thing this year, let it be this, that you would draw closer to God than you ever have before. Gary spoke these words earlier today. If you just do one thing this year, get closer to God. Trust him more. Believe him for more. Seek him more. Love him more. Grow more and more in love with your heavenly father than you ever have before. You know, I pray at the beginning of this brand new year that each and every one of us would go deeper and deeper in our love with God. That we would go to greater depths of love with him. That we would know more of his goodness. That we would know more of his faithfulness. That we would know more that we were created in his image. That we have everything that we need right now in this moment to do what he's called us to do. God, would we know you more? I pray that this year he'll rekindle something in each and every one of us. A new passion, a new fire, a new fervor for seeing people saved, seeing people set free, seeing people won for his kingdom. Because we live in a broken and a lost world, but he doesn't want to throw out those people that are not living to their potential. He wants to see them renewed. He wants to see them be made new. He wants to see them be the best that they can be. I pray that God would expand your reach this year, that he would open new doors of opportunity for you to share his goodness and share his faithfulness and show his love to those around each and every one of us. Let's pray. So Father God, thank you for the opportunity that this new year brings. God, I thank you that we were created in your image, each and every one of us. You breathed your life into us. And you looked at us and you said, it is very good. Not slightly good, not I could have done better. Very good. Created in your image. Perfect in every way. Gifted and blessed with everything we could possibly need. God, would you renew us back to that state that where things have been chipped off and broken and beaten out of us and leaked out of us, that God, you would renew us back to that original created state in the image of you. 
God, would we grow deeper and deeper in love with you? Would we know the depths and the breadths of your love for us? Would you reveal to us even just a, a glimpse of how much you love us? Because, oh, if only we knew. If only we knew. We'd recognize that we have worth, that we have value, that we have purpose. God, each and every one of us in this room is loved by you unconditionally, unequivocally. God, we thank you for your love, that perfect love. Love that casts out all fear. A love that, that was so filled with grace and compassion that you sent down your son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross and to rise again, conquering death, so that we can be restored, so that we can be renewed into relationship with you once again. And so we thank you, God. And once again, at the beginning of this year, I pray we would lay down our lives before you, that we would give you everything that we have, that we would say your will be done. And God, at the beginning of 2024, would you help us to be the very best that we can be? In Jesus' name, amen.